Welcome, welcome to the Healing Place podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We have a um, topic that I believe that will interest all of our listeners on today. We are going to be talking about the effects of trauma within a relationship. And so today we have a special guest. I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself because I want us to go ahead and jump right into our discussion for today. So I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself and let's um, get this going. All right. Amazing. Thank you. So my name is Laurel Soleil and I am a psychotherapist, formerly trained psychotherapist and a relationship coach. And I've been at this, I guess I graduated in 2006 with my master's. So it's been a long time. Somebody else can do the math on that one. I'm not really sure. Um, and my focus has always been on trauma and relationships. Um, and I originally started in private practice, working one-to-one with people. And now I do mostly group online, um, and one-to-one still, but all online, like remote. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all relationship and trauma focused and sort of like, why? (laughs) Um, well, because trauma is becoming more understood as, as a, as an experience. And I think what's becoming more understood is how, Trauma isn't the archaic definition or thought, which is something really bad happened to me and I was traumatized mm-hmm. and then, and then I, life went on, That that's not it. It's, or something really bad happened to me. And then I developed an addiction. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> it's become the, the, the perspective and breadth of what trauma is, has become much wider, broader and bigger. So, um, when I was doing my relationship coaching and my relationship therapy, I mean, what we were coming up against was not that marriages weren't working. It's that people were coming up against their own trauma. Their partner was triggering their trauma. Why? Because our trauma gets triggered when we have unresolved trauma. Um, So that actually marital counseling and support and guidance and facilitation or just couples work, whether you're married or not, or you're deciding to be in long-term relationship or want to fix a, a, uh, you know, somebody you're not sure about, you know, whatever it is, you have to actually start to bring in the conversation of what happened in your childhood? What was your relationship like with your parents? Were, was one of them an addict or mentally ill, or did somebody pass at a young age? Um, because all of these things, if we've never really looked at that and how they may influence who we are, we'll get triggered in our most intimate relationships, AKA our partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, so that actually relationship therapy and relationship coaching can't go without the trauma work. Okay. So that's sort of why I focus in it. That's a little bit about me. Um, just, I've got three kids. I live very internationally. Um, I've been married, divorced. My eldest child is a shared custody. So I get the turmoil of that, um, I've got two other children with my husband um, and what else about me? That's it, I think. <laughs> okay, okay. You have, I, I love your, uh, your why and I love the way that you approach um, relationship, um, you know, therapy and the coaching side of it. And I think a lot of times people don't understand why they're they fail at relationships, you know, and they feel like, you know, it's me, or then you get those who say it's everybody else. I love those who come to me and they start saying that they've been married seven times and it was everybody, 
You know, I'm like, oh, so all seven times it was everybody, but you're the only common denominator within this whole thing, you know? And so um, I want us to really talk about, I know you mentioned triggers and um, going and digging back into childhood and recognizing that some of the events that took place during early, early life is really affecting what is going on within their relationship. So if someone came to you today and they said to you, uh, hey, I'm married and um, my spouse isn't being as intimate with me as I desire. And then, you know, the spouse says, well, I tried to touch them, but they don't want me touching them, you know, and there's a breakdown. What would you, how would you approach that type of situation? Sure. So first I'd want to find out is that just happening with this current partner or has that been thematic meaning has this did this happen with the last partner and the partner before that and if it's a situation where it's like no I've never experienced this before then I would want to get really into understanding how this partner was different from the other partners Mm -hmm. because there's something within the context of this particular person that's reminding that that person that's having the like, oh, please don't touch me response. There's something happening, a defense mechanism, something's living within the body, a body-based, likely heightened nervous system, protective um, response. It's not necessarily meaning that that partner, let's just say that man, let's just use woman and and male, that man is bad or aggressive. It just means it could be a nonverbal communication. It could be the way the man's eyebrows are, the facial features, the gesture, you know, could be signaling something to the woman's nervous system that reminds her of something so way back when, so far away that she's not even really aware of it, but her nervous system is, or what we could say is her her perceptive ability, you know, that the, the, how we perceive, but we don't necessarily know why it's like, we could also call this a sense of intuition, but I think though there is some subtle differences between what we're talking about here, but we could say it's like an intuitive sense. It's a perceptive sense. It's a protective sense. Mm-hmm. So the, to answer your question, what would I do is I would first want to find out, is this always happening? Has this happened with every partner? Mm-hmm. Because then we're really looking at something maybe a little different versus is it just happening with this man and then we want to look at like what she's feeling what she's thinking what she's experiencing so the work is not to get the guy to change it's to actually work with what's happening within her nervous system and to help healing from that place then of course yes we need to make the man very aware of of hey you know this has come out. She's got this trauma. When you approach her in this way, she feels this way. It's not something you're doing. It's not your fault, but you could change it in these ways. Mm-hmm. Are you willing? Yeah, of course. Great. Are you not? No. Okay. Well then we need to look at maybe this isn't the right relationship, right? So it's really empowering our, our selves. I, I guess our, our it's, it's increasing our sense of awareness an understanding of what's actually having happening in the relationship. So we stop the blame, we stop the shame, we stop the you're doing this, and we start to understand why we're feeling this. And then we get really clear from each other whether we're going to do the work to change it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. And I wanted, I wanted you to go into that because I want the audience to understand that this type of work, number one, is a individual work in the beginning. 
Yes. It's not about where you're going to sit down and you're going to find fault in the other person. No, because if you're the one that has dealt with the trauma, you mm-hmm. have to get healed first, even in order to be able to look correctly at your uh, partner. Um, so I know we talked about um, in our earlier conversation about, you know, how people will begin to cope with alcohol and drugs and things of that nature. Um, and uh, because of the traumas and they don't realize that they've been through trauma. It's almost as though they went, like I said, it's normal now, mm-hmm. but going through it, say when you were um, a child and you might be in your forties or your fifties now, and not realizing that, you know, you're angry, um, you are, you can get sometimes where you are depressed or, you know, you just are irritable and frustrated. And then your coping mechanism is I'm going to go and drink, or I'm going to go and do drugs or whatever way they feel like they need to release, you know, and here it is, you're in a you're, you're in a relationship or you're married, whatever it may be. And it's causing so much turmoil within this within this relationship mm-hmm. and learning how to or really being able to identify that it is you or mm-hmm. knowing is you but you don't feel like anybody can hear or see you am I making sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um feel like anybody can they're hearing or seeing you because mm-hmm. I had a I had a young lady who actually was, and I had to refer her out because her trauma, she was just so traumatized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And trying to get her to see that, you know, your relationship are failing, not because of them, but because of you, not mm-hmm. willing to really name the thing mm-hmm. that you went through because everybody told you that it wasn't that big of a deal. Right, right. You know? And so because they told you it wasn't that big of a deal and they told you just get on with life. Mm -hmm. It's now X amount of years later and it is really, really, really destroying you. Mm -hmm. And you are destroying every relationship that comes your way, like a tornado. You, 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 you know, you're calm. And then all of a sudden you go in this and you're spiraling out of control with your drinking and your drug and then you're, you're promiscuous and you know, you're not faithful to your partner. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So can we discuss, you know, issues and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah. So I want to definitely talk about two parts of that. And one is definitely the coping mechanisms. I just want to say something first. So if I forget to come back to the coping mechanisms, remind me, okay, Brianna. So um, I think that a lot of trauma work comes back to this, like, know thyself concept. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, is like, culture and the way that we have it right now is not going to be understanding. If, if our mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, school teachers were not understanding, well, then we can't really expect that our coworkers, bosses, you know, taxi drivers, (laughs) like we just, nobody wants to sort of, it's not that nobody wants to, I want to erase that word. I think it's that we don't have the, um, we don't have the knowledge and the patience to deal with the discomfort it brings us to hear about other people's um, hard times. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know how to fix it. It's, it's a lot of discomfort. So if, just to give an example, if my neighbor comes and discloses something to me, okay, let's say I'm not a therapist. 
I might not have, I might be like, well, I've got three kids and I need to make dinner. Like, you know, just buck up, carry on. I don't, right. It's like, I don't have the, we don't have the, the sort of culture built in to support this. Right. So, so that person who came to me and disclosed something traumatic or about themselves or an argument that just happened in their, in their partnership, or that they're using more alcohol than they want to be using, they're going to feel really misunderstood, rejected, and abandoned by having come to me and then gotten my response because I, I can't, I got my own shit, right? Like, like so, so I think when it comes back to this, know thyself, it's like, when we know that what we're struggling with is real, we don't need the validation and, and we, and we get a, we get a feeling of rejection from somebody. We feel somebody didn't understand us when we know, when we're like in this know thyself place, we can be like, okay, that's, we can have more of an objective place. That's that lady. She didn't get me, but I get me. And I know what I'm experiencing is real. And I know that when I wake up in the morning and I have this, it's real. Like I don't, I no longer need to go out and get validated. I know this is me, right? When my, when I feel like my partner always looks at me in this way, but he says, I don't look at you in that. I know he like, I know it. And I know it triggers me because I've done my work and I really clearly got a read on myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so then I think that when we haven't done that trauma work to really have that secure read on ourselves, and we're not coming from that contained place of know thyself, what happens then is we feel so further damaged by other people's lack of understanding and rejection and abandonment. That's when we start drinking. That's when we start drugging. That's when we're more promiscuous. You know, that's when we yell at our partners more, you know, like you don't get me. And it's like, no, he probably doesn't, but you don't get you either. And you're looking to him to get you before you get you. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. You don't need to stay with him, but you can't blame him for not getting you till you get you and then make the conscious decision to leave or the conscious decision to stay, but to stay with a partner who doesn't get you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, okay. Did I answer your question? Yes. I think that was, okay. I think because it made me think about how many times people say that and that's where we're at. Right. So we're in that place where people are saying, you don't get me. Nobody gets me. But it's like, but like you said, I love what you said, but you don't get your own self. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get you. And because you don't get you, I'm, I'm like, because you don't get you, you, it's, you don't get to pro- project that off on other people. Exactly. And that's what you're doing. And so now you are in the phase of, I'm, I'm going to let this person go. I'm not taking this. I'm not taking that. And it's like, you might be letting go of some really good relationships mm-hmm. because you won't, you refuse to do, because a lot of times people are refusing to do the work that they need to do. Yeah. Uh, because it hurts. Nobody wants to sit in that hurt. Because in order to heal, you have to revisit it. Mm-hmm. You have to. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You have to revisit it. Uh, and yes, it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. But mm-hmm. you have to in order for you to be able to get over it. Because if you can't name the thing. That's it, right. It's bound to continue to hunt you. I call it a shadow that's going to continue to just follow you throughout life. And it's going to peep out. And then it's going to go back in, then it's going to come back out. Um, and so doing the self-work is so important. Um, and for those who get in these relationships, I, I think for me, a lot of times people can see the red flags of someone who has been, who has dealt with trauma. 
And they see the red flags and they still uh, go past the red flags like it's, and, and go forward. And then they wind up in these relationships and they don't know what to do with them, with the That's people right. that they're in relationship with. That's right. Um, so what would you tell a, a partner that is in a relationship with somebody that is um, dealing with trauma and they refuse or they don't want to um, get the help that they need? Mm-hmm. So what would I say to the person who's saying to me, my partner, I see all this trauma in my partner and they won't do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say, <laughs> well, you can do, you can only do so much work to be at peace in that relationship. Mm-hmm. But so long as you're with somebody who's unwilling to do the change, the relationship you have right now is the relationship you will have. I mean, it takes a very evolved person to stay in relationship with somebody who won't change. It's like, so expect the same triggers, expect the same habits, mm-hmm. expect nothing to change. Because what happens is you could be in therapy every week working on yourself to change, but you go right back into the home or you go out on that date or you go do that thing. And that other person who's not changing is there right there and, and you get triggered again. Like it's, it's like that change is so small and incremental that it, it, right. It's like you go see, hang out with that person, you go home to that person and you're like 10 steps backwards, forget therapy even happened that week. So the first thing I would say is it's, you know, it's a beautiful opportunity to really look at what's getting triggered within you and make the changes. But at a certain point, you're likely going to plateau if your partner isn't making change. And so you have to stop blaming your partner for your relationship. You're choosing to be in a relationship with a person that won't change. So you're going to have to consciously accept that if you want to stay in the relationship. But part of what you're going to have to work on is no longer blaming, shaming, or judging, really, because that person is just where they're at. Mm-hmm. Or it can be your deal breaker. And then if they're like, no, I don't want to go. I don't. Well, then, then we need to look at that. What's happening there? Are we in some codependency? Are we in some addictive dependent um, tendencies, like what what's happening that you're identifying. It's like saying there's a monster in that corner, but I don't want to leave the room. I won't leave the room. You know, it's like what's happening for that person in that process. So those would be the two places I'd start with that person. Yeah. And I think that's, and I'm asking you this because a lot of times people don't understand that when you go into therapy, you're going to be asked these hard questions and to that, they are hard questions because if you come to me and you're doing the work and then you're telling me that, Hey, I'm going home and this person isn't willing to change, Mm -hmm. then you're making a decision. If you keep going into it, you're making a decision now. So whose fault is it now? Exactly. Yeah. It's personal choice, right? It all comes down to our own free will and personal choice. Mm -hmm. There's a personal choice to stay in the relationship. I, we can't blame it then, right? I mean, we just can't. <laughs> yeah. So I want us to talk about, because this is something that I, I love to hear um, talked about within, uh, when I'm getting my continuing education um, credits, I love to talk about codependency. Mm-hmm. Because then, like you said, then you get into, okay, why aren't you wanting to leave? <laughs> then you get into that oh you're you're being codependent so let us talk about that because a lot of times people there's I, I say just my personal opinion I think there's more people that are codependent and don't realize it mm-hmm. yeah you're yeah. like willing to stay in this this gosh I've been like you're in hell but you're willing to stay so let's talk about that 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I think you're right. I think that we are codependent. I, I mean, I, I, there's codependent aspects of my own marriage. I, you know, and I'm a relationship coach, psychotherapist. Like, it's, it's not, it's not scary and bad and horrible. I think it can lead to scary and bad and horrible situations. But I think like codependency is sort of a natural, in one sense, this is like the positive side. Like, there's a natural inclination for us as like a mammalian species to rely. We're social beings. We're wired for connection. Mm-hmm. So there's a natural desire to be in connection with others, which is why ghosting or you know, being rejected, or that's why it hurts so bad. Like it, it hurts almost, right? Because it's it's going against the natural impulse of of our mammalian species of how we're literally wired for survival. So I, I, I get it. The infant comes out. That infant will only survive and thrive with human social connection, right? So we're wired for it. Now, could we say, you know, you leave that infant in the room and they start crying and they're codependent? Well, yeah, for really good positive reasons. So, okay, so we can use this word in a really interesting way. And I think that's important to point out that, you know, everything has a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So then you go and you use codependency in kind of the more clinical way. And what we look at is it gets severe, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't want to make choices anymore that might make that person upset because then I'm going to have to feel bad because I don't know how to be uncomfortable when I've said no to somebody else and it makes me uncomfortable. And so, no, I just, I won't ask for my needs to be met. I won't say anything that makes that other person uncomfortable because phew, at least then I don't have to feel bad. I don't have to feel their anger. I don't have to feel rejected. I don't, I don't have to feel stupid. So that would be kind of the opposite side of the spectrum mm-hmm. where we literally are changing our own behavior to accommodate some for somebody else because we don't want to feel the feels that that person's reaction is going to have. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. I have had a couple of um, people that I have had to uh, help would kind of facilitate a process that they were going through and it was um teaching and trying to get them to get to a place of being assertive I said there's a difference between being assertive and aggressive I said but to be able to articulate your wants and your needs and your desires Mm -hmm. I said not meaning that people are going to hear you or necessarily say they can but you have to get to a place of being able to accept it for one um two being able to articulate what is it that you're wanting and then being able to um, handle if they say no. Yeah, yeah. You know, every relationship doesn't mean that it's going to be a lifelong relationship. And some relationships just have to come to an end in order for you to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't grow if I'm constantly having to um, adapt. And and I want to it's a word I want to use. But if I'm constantly having to, people like to use the word submissive and such to me in such a negative way because I shouldn't have to constantly submit to me being a lower, lower than who I really am. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. I don't want to lower myself as a person, as a woman, just mm-hmm. to make you happy. Yeah. There's a thing I can compromise, but I'm not going to constantly lower yeah. who I am because yeah. if I have need for, like you said, affection, 
mm-hmm. you know, because we all want to be in relationships and then especially healthy relationships. And I'm saying I have a need for affection and the way that I, I receive affection or love is I just use touch, mm-hmm. you know, hug hugs or whatever it is and you are a person who refuses you don't like it it makes you feel funny and um you're not willing to change Mm -hmm. and you're hearing me then that's not you I want people to our listeners to listen and hear what this what I'm saying it is not you yeah nothing is wrong with you everybody is entitled to how they feel they can they want to function uh, whether it's healthy or toxic that's mm-hmm. their right as a human being. Um, mm-hmm. Just like it's your right as a human being to function and to get through life the way that you feel is healthy or you know helps you get through. But it's not fair to yourself to continue to be in relationship with people who aren't compatible with you. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people feel, I was talking to someone, someone I want to get your advice on this, so I was talking to someone and we were talking about relationships and this person is very desperate for a relationship. And I was, you know, we were talking about values. And I said, I think when you're entering into a relationship, you really need to discover the values that that person has. I said, because if your values aren't kind of, aren't adding up, it's going to make it hard for your, rela- your core values. It's going to make it hard for your relationship to work. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, this person could not understand. They felt like, you know, uh, and the, again, they used the word submissive. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, we should be able to submit one to another, but I can't submit to someone who we don't, we don't see life the same. Mm-hmm. We're going to have differences. Nobody, no two people are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we differences, you know, we, but not my core. Yeah. The yeah. core of who I am. If you are the total opposite of who I am at the core, that would bother me. I think even for a normal person who mm-hmm. has never went through trauma in their life, yeah. I think that would yeah. be traumatizing to them. Exactly. Because yeah. it would make them second guess themselves and everything that they did. If I, um, if at the core, I believe in honesty and you believe in telling little, that's all right. I mean, I, I wasn't totally dishonest, but it was to me, it's like, yeah. but you lied. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, trying to convince me to be something that I'm not. So I'm gonna let, I'm gonna give it to you. So you okay. give me what you feel. Yeah. So I think it, it's such an interesting way for us to actually bridge into how childhood and relationships with whether it's your parents or a stepfather or a carer, um, what that relationship was like, because I think a lot of us stay in adult, in adult, in incongruent relationships, like meaning relationships where our values aren't the same is because, and we don't realize we have choice or we feel we don't have choice because as children, we maybe were in some really compromising situations with our parental, I guess that's the better word, right? Parental figures. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have choice. Mm-hmm. And many times, whether there was alcoholism or mental health issues or a parent leaving or a parent saying, if you're not good, I'll leave or domestic abuse or sexual abuse or neglect. Many times we actually felt as children that there was no choice but to comply in order to make that person happy enough that it because a children, a child has no choice but to imagine it must be their fault, Right. They don't have the adult brain to reason and rationalize. So children are always thinking it must be their fault. Parents are fighting, must be my fault. Dad's drinking, must be my fault, right? So 
so the point I'm trying to make is like, I think we find ourselves in relationships in adult in our adult lives where we feel like we'll have to be submissive to make that person happy because that is mirroring a lot of childhood parental relationships. Mm-hmm. But I think the work then, the therapeutic work is around self-advocacy and like, let's heal that little girl or that little boy inside of you that literally feels like you have no choice. Like, no, you don't have to take it. Mm-hmm. You feel submissive because you are being submissive to a situation, to a familiar familiar pattern. Mm-hmm. But it's not one you have to stay in. So I think like what you're saying really bridges back to how, again, we don't have to have had this epic traumatic event in our childhoods to be acting out trauma in relationship. We just maybe had to have a really adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense because I mean, it just, it just brings back so much. I had um for myself, I remember raising my children and I can, I have a daughter that is very, she, you know, when I say advocates for herself, she advocates for herself. You know, you have to be careful what you teach your children because they bring it back to you. <laughs> um, and so I can remember going through something with her and it was just like, she said something to me that, that made me stop and think as a mother, you know, like this is a little person that I brought into the world who thinks for herself, has her own mind, has her own way of seeing things, um, mm-hmm. who doesn't really understand, you know, the way that I'm thinking. She mm-hmm. just sees the world through her own eyes. And I was, and I said, you should be happy. This, I said, you should be happy because I provide this and I provide that. And she came back to me and she said, well, aren't you supposed to? (laughs) Well, you're right. So when you think about it that way, as parents, we are pushing off. You're supposed to be happy because this is what I'm doing, but you have other needs. My daughter at that time needed me to be something more to her than just a provider. That's right. I was supposed to provide. That is my job. That is a part of my job. She doesn't have to do anything in order for me to suppose, you know, this, I have to feed her. Yeah. So why would I push that off? Like, you should be happy I'm feeding you. No, you should. <laughs> no, right. she doesn't. What do you mean? Be happy. That's what, aren't you supposed to <laughs> feed me? You know what I mean? And so as adults now in a relationship, you're with a partner so like you said let's talk women and men and so the woman is being told you have a good man because he's a provider Mm -hmm. he doesn't love me he doesn't talk to me emotionally he's zero you know we sit in the house we I mean we just don't do nothing all he does is provide Mm -hmm. and everybody around me is telling me because as a child I was told I should be grateful and now here it is, I'm told again, I'm supposed to be grateful as though this is all I can, I, I, I'm, I'm only good for this and nothing more. I have no voice. I don't get to express how I really feel because it would be demonized to do that. So I'm miserable. So then you wonder why, and we get back to the coping. So now you're wondering why am I drinking all the time? Well, that's why. Because I'm drowning in emotions that I don't have permission mm-hmm. to, or I don't feel like I have permission to be able to express. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
and also like, so then the affair happens, right? Well, you go find somebody else, you know, and mm -hmm. it's a quick fix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I had a situation where I was with a young lady and, you know, with, as therapists, you're not, you, you try not to get, you're not supposed to, but I was listening to her story and I found myself when I got off, I had to go call a colleague to, to debrief because I felt so bad. Mm -hmm. I, I did. I felt bad because I was thinking to myself, wow, wow. Like how much more could a person actually take within a uh, a marriage? Mm -hmm. You know, how much more could a person actually take, knowing that um, I have said what I wanted and it's been ignored and ignored and ignored, and then the uh, the the teachings because it wasn't because sometimes we can we are we have learned behaviors, yeah, and our values are based upon what we've learned. Mm -hmm. And that basically upon us developing our, 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 you know, developing into who we are mm -hmm. and what we like and what we feel is right and what we feel is wrong. We just kind of adapt to what we've learned. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is going to be better for me? I can't make that choice mm -hmm. because right. it's going to go against what That's I've right. learned. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and, that, and I believe that that causes another level of trauma for that mm -hmm. person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's sort of, I guess it's almost like rubbing salt in the wound, right? It's like, it is, it's just, if you have a trauma wound that isn't healed and it's, you know, and you're just furthering to be in a destructive, self-sabotaging relationship, again, choosing to be, again, it's hard to get out, but choosing to be, um, you are, you're rubbing salt in those wounds. Um, and it's harder to heal over time. And I think what happens is like, it doesn't just become then the trauma you're healing. Then you have to deal with the addiction or like the coping mechanism behavior too, right? I mean, how many times I've seen that be the case? Like I work with a woman and then it's like, well, I never used to drink this much. And it's like, okay, well, what do we, first we have to work with the drinking before we can even get to the trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we have to look at how the drinking has destroyed what relationships with children, mm -hmm. job loss, you know, didn't finish going back to school. Right. It's like it just the compounded effect of it all. Mm -hmm. um, so significant in people's lives. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I think that there's a key here that if people can really start to see without shame and blame and judgment that it's it's not your drinking, it's not your marriage. <laughs> It's not, you know, being let go of that job. It's not that you didn't finish school. It's that it's looking back to what happened in your childhood and what you internalized about yourself and what you're worthy of mm -hmm. as a result and healing that. Yeah, yeah. And if, you know, those that are listening to us on today, if you can just really get to a place where you realize that what happened to you is not your fault. It's not your fault. Um, it's not your fault. You are worth more than what you went through, and that you it's not too late for you to seek the help that you need. You have choices. You don't have to stay where you're at, regardless of a relationship, regardless of your mental state. 
mm -hmm. emotional state, there is help for you. And um, the choosing the right person to go to is very important because you do want to make sure that you are you are uh, within a therapeutic relationship or your therapist is able to provide you an, um, with that non-judgmental um, atmosphere because there's nothing that you have went through that tons of other people haven't there's mm -hmm. nothing um, yeah. that should be able to hold you down in that level in, in the level of shame and guilt that you feel um, a lot of times people are in leadership positions and I'm starting a, a, a group locally here in town called um, my nonprofit is called the Restoration Haven and it's more so for leaders mm -hmm. you know because leaders go they when you're in the public eye you are expected to be a certain type of way, right? But you're not supposed, and, and the thing about it is you're not supposed to be human. So you're yeah. not supposed to go through things. You're not supposed to ever hurt. You're not supposed to have emotions and things like that, but you do. And so where where can I go to be able to disclose or be able to just process, hey, mm -hmm. guess what? I met somebody who triggered me and made me think about it. Yeah. And I thought, I had forgotten it. I thought I was over it, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. And the thing I remember working in the hospital, I would never forget this. And this is what made me really, really think about it. So I had, I was friends with a doctor, mm. sweetest person you would ever want to meet. Oh, she was funny. And then when we're, we started having these presidential um, debates and things, Mm. And she pulled me to the side one day and she said, I'm leaving the country. And I thought she was joking. And I said, well, wow, where are you going? If you're going, I'm going too, you know? And she said, she started crying. She said, I can't take what's going on. It's making me think about. And she told me something that happened to her when she was in college mm -hmm. that she never processed. Mm -hmm. And she said, I can't tell my husband. Hmm. Said, but I'm going home she said and I I am ruining my marriage hmm. and I thought oh my gosh and she felt like she couldn't go nowhere because she was seen as like this super doctor mm -hmm. like she was like I thought she was the, one of the best doctors I had ever yeah. you know yeah. she was she was just well-rounded and she was yeah. smart and she was compassionate and she just you know, she just had this spirit about herself, but she felt like she had nobody who could be her to her. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. When you notice that something is bothering you and you have, you feel like you have no place to, for somebody to, uh, trusting that you can go to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, talk about, talk about feeling alone, right? Alone with your trauma. And then like, you don't feel, it's sort of like the monster in the corner of the room that just took over the room. And now the monster's driving the car, running the show. Mm -hmm. You are just completely alone with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, you and sometimes you can't escape. And just using that as mm -hmm. a scenario, because this was on TV, like every, you turn it on, you see, you know, clips for, of debates and clips of what yeah. somebody had said. And it was like nowhere she could go yeah. where she couldn't hear it. I mean, she would go visit patients, right. their TVs would be on, or they would be talking about it. What do you think about this? And it just, she would go home and, you know, her husband was, you know, big into politics and it was mm -hmm. like, she had nowhere she could escape it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 
I think it's such a perfect example too of just how our culture has no support. It's like, it's not built into the scaffolding or the support of our culture to be there for people with trauma. There's just no room for it. I think the conversation's starting, but like all conversations, it's quiet, it's in the background and it's gonna take, you know, decades before, right? So yeah, I mean, that's really, that's a really sad experience for this woman and really sad. Mm-hmm. And it's an example too, isn't it, of how trauma really unresolved trauma, I guess, um, feeling victim to our trauma or powerless to our trauma ends up making choices for our life. The trauma literally ends up making choices for our life. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving my husband. I'm leaving my marriage. I'm, I can't say anything. I'm leaving the country I'm living in. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like big life changes. And so, you know, those who are listening and perhaps it's not you that's dealing with the trauma, but you're dealing with one who has, who has been traumatized and they're dealing with, and you're trying to figure out, well, why are they acting like this? And why are they, this should give you um, a different perspective on your loved one. And if you love them and, you know, facilitating the conversation or, looking and trying to find help for them and giving them a list so they can because you want to make sure you always give people choices and so you know do the research for them and just present them a list or something and say hey thought this would be good because I mean if we want to be able to help and if we really love the people that we're in relationships with then we will help and assist them to get the help Mm -hmm. they need yeah yeah and suggest to them, you know, maybe this is, you know, even people that you might know, friends who are drinking a lot, um, you know, people in your life who are using things that you recognize are, are disproportionate, are, are, they're using them to an extreme. And you're like, oh, I don't know. You could recommend just say to them very clearly, like maybe, you know, nothing's wrong with you, but maybe you're having some kind of like trauma response that you're trying to deal with, or, you know, very gently and, and, and I think this idea of always phrasing everything in a question is like, maybe this is, could be going on with you. You know, it's like a, a gentle way to say rather than read this book, because what's wrong with you? Um, so yeah, but I think it's, I think it's time definitely where we are in the development of the trauma conversation to be suggesting to people that, hey, you know, maybe this isn't your fault. You don't want to be acting this way. Even anger, okay, this is personal. I'm just going to go into this, but like, you know, in my own marriage, experiencing anger from um, my husband, right? It's not that he's an angry person. He's actually really not. It's not that he wants to be angry. It's not that he feels more listened to when he's angry, but he's an emergency room nurse. And when he's had a hard day, he's, it's coming, his anger, or we'll be like, wow, you know, he's, he's angry. And then we'll be like, you're so angry. It's like, I'm not angry. It's like, okay, maybe having a trauma response, like you're having an experience, having a reaction to something that's happened. Um, but I do, there's sort of this little catchphrase that we can say, which is like, name it, claim it and change it. And so this is a big one in our family. Like name it. Okay. Yeah. I'm pissed. All right. Claim it, which means like, accept it. Like, I'm pissed. You didn't make me pissed. (laughs) She didn't make me pissed. The dog didn't make, I'm pissed. Okay. Now how do I want to be? Deep breath, calm, chilled. Okay. So name it, claim it, change it can be a little. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it goes back to what you said in the beginning, know thyself. Mm-hmm. When you know thyself, then you know, you, you, you understand what's going on within your body because it's your body that is going. It's like, I, wait a minute, I'm feeling some type of way. I'm saying stuff I shouldn't say. And I mean, I found myself going back in and going and saying, I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I, I yeah. said that to you and you had nothing to do with what I'm feeling or why I am angry or feeling this way. Um, but in order to get there again, you have to get to a place of being able to self-identify. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it's nothing wrong. I, don't, I think, oh gosh, I won't, I, sometimes I want people to take this, um, superhuman com- or this savior complex off or this I gotta be this way uh, mask off take the mask off it's better to be um bon- I don't want to say vulnerable but transparent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes transparency you know in the beginning it might feel or make you feel funny or sh- or shameful mm-hmm. but there's somebody that needs to know that it's all right to be normal mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. No, it's all right to be normal. Um, I, my daughter has anxiety and I couldn't, under, for the life of me, I couldn't understand anxiety. Like I won't even see people. Mm-hmm. You tell, if I see it on the paper, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, I'm not <laughs> else, no. Um, but I couldn't understand it when she would go into these anxiety attacks, you know, cause mm-hmm. hers is, hers is so much different. Um, and so she would become clingy. She would become or she would pace the floor back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking and I'm like, I'm getting anxiety now. Like, sit down, please sit down, you know. And um, I had to go and talk to someone who has the same disorder as her and um, ask them, how do you, wh- what are the signs? Show me, I mean, tell me, because mm-hmm. she's driving me bananas in this house and I don't understand <laughs> how mm-hmm. to cope and I don't, I, I, it's making, and so, um. I had that conversation with her, like, when you are feeling like that, mm-hmm. can you just tell me? Yeah. Yeah. So I can know what I need to be in that moment to you. Mm-hmm. Because when you just begin to act out, it, it's almost like she, her, I could feel her projection yeah. up on me. Like, yeah. see me, see me, see me. And, and I'm like, that brings me anxiety. Because <laughs> I don't know what yeah. to do. I might see you, but I don't know what to do. and it triggers something on the inside of me because um of my own issues you know and I don't I can't so for her I have to you know I had to get to the place where I you know let me know so I can know what you need from me Mm -hmm. so I don't try to be something to you that's going to just um bring on more anxiety Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the power question right there, isn't it? What can I do? How can I help you? What, what do you need? How did you say it was so perfect? What do you need from me? What can, yeah, what do you need from me in this moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that's, if we have a safe enough partnership to ask that question, and that's a beautiful question to ask as well to our partners. And that we also exercise the right that if they're asking for something that we can't give, enter codependency <laughs> that we say, I, I hear that. Thank you for sharing. I actually can't do that for you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or thank you so much for saying what you need and I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and knowing that it's all right. It's all right when you can't, when you can't deliver. Yeah, exactly. It's all right um, when you can't deliver and, you know, don't wear the feelings of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many right. people do, they wear the, or they overextend themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will bring resentment mm-hmm. within a relationship because after so many attempts of trying to be something that you know you can't be, you don't have the capacity, but you're still trying to do it. You're overextending yourself, you're harboring resentment. And, and before you know it, your, um, your relationship towards this person is going to be one of bitterness. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So when you really check in with yourself before saying, yes, I can do that for you. When you check in with yourself, you are really saving yourself. You're saving the relationship from the resentment, Mm -hmm. which over time, resentment's an interesting one. Over time, we end up punishing our partners for resentment. You always may or I, it's like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I always chose to. And I resent you for it now. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Because you can have um, people who've been married for 40 years and the wife just gets frustrated. And, you know, and like you said, and he's like, well, but you've always done it. Well, I've always not wanted to do it. And it's like, well, why didn't you tell him that 40 years ago? We're just saving a lot of money on therapy bills. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why? When I didn't want to... My, the famous, one of the famous uh, answers that I would get is, uh, well, I didn't want to make them mad. <laughs> what was going to happen? Right, right. You know, well, like, what's the worst thing that was going to happen? So we really, really, we can address this, but let's really deal with this. You didn't <laughs> want to make them mad. Exactly. You know, let's heal that part of you, because yeah. <laughs> Here it is. You've been... Uh, uh, cooking chicken and you can't stand chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to disappoint you. Okay, so you've been eating chicken for forty years. Could you yeah. disappoint me? Yeah, and you're sick of it. <laughs> one day at the table, at the dinner table, you get up. I'm sick of this. You know, you're like, what in the world's wrong with you? <laughs> Mom's going off. She's patching, slamming doors, and it's like, what's wrong? All of a sudden, what's wrong? I'm sick of you here. So I do. I have enjoyed our conversation, and you know, um, I think we could really go deeper. But and I want us to. So I want us to. If um, the listeners, if you have questions, if you have questions, if we didn't touch on something that you um, felt like we should have, uh, we have been talking. I know last conversation we had conversation we had that you you are, you're willing to do at least once monthly for with us so yeah that'd be great and i yeah once a month would be great i love answering direct questions so if your listeners want to write in with anything um i think that can lead to some really powerful conversations because likely what one person has a question about is very applicable to so many so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah happy yeah. to answer any questions yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I love, I love this topic because it's so, oh gosh, I, I mean, even we talk more on marriage, but even with friendships. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's like, you know, you've been friends with this person, but this person is such a big trigger to you. Yep. 
you know, yeah. and it's like, well, you know, if they're triggering you and you don't see this friendship really going anywhere, why are you still That's right. in relationship with this person? So, so yeah, so I want us to uh, really dig more into this so that we can begin to have a society, at least our tribe of people that are listening can begin to have more healthy relationships within um, their communities, within their uh, family, within their church family, whatever kind of ships they find themselves in, you know, and being able to uh, get to a place where they know thyself, know what you feel. Mm-hmm. That's right. And what you feel and figure out where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Why am I feeling this way? You know, because sometimes it's not even necessarily the person that's sitting in front of you. It's somebody from your past. That's right. So again, I thank you for joining us and yeah. we will um, see you again next month. Okay. Um, if you can tell everybody, we have it in the bio, tell everybody how they can get in contact with you. If you can yeah. just tell them about your, your email, because we have some listeners that would be on our, um, that would not see our video and they okay. would just click on the link and they won't read. We have okay. people who don't read and they will email okay. me and say, Hey, I wanted to, to okay. get in contact with this person. So if you can just tell okay. them how to get in contact with you. Yeah. So, um, my email, anybody's welcome to email me and my website are just my first and last name. So it's Laurel Soleil, but it's just spelled S O L E. I'm going to spell it out for everybody. So it's L A U R E L Laurel, and then S O L E. And that's either, if you want email, that's Laurel soul at Gmail or that's laurelsoul.com. So super simple. Um, just get a hold of me with anything, questions. If you're like, oh, I'd like a book on this topic, whatever. That's how you can find me, laurelsoul.com or laurelsoul at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you. So um, again, thank you guys for joining us. We will see you again on next month. I will uh, put out something ahead of time so you guys can listen. And maybe uh, we can actually, maybe we can do an afternoon Uh, where we can do a live session too and then have people to come in with their questions as well as those that write in so but we're talking about it so i'm excited i'm up for all the above so you just let me know what your listeners want (laughs) good good again thank you for joining the healing place podcast and uh we will see you on the next time